the Financial Sense Lifetime Income Program. Here's your host, Jim Poplava. One of the big issues as summer comes to an end, what will happen to the new school year? Let's find out. Joining me on the program is Dr. James Hurley. He's president of Tarleton State University. Doctor, let's talk about this issue of what COVID has brought about, especially as it applies to whether you're talking about college, grade school, any kind of schooling as we as this pandemic is still with us. One thing that we know is that this is created the most fluid um, times of uncertainty in education, not just in higher education. I was conversing with our local Stephenville ISD, Dr. Underwood, uh, last week, and, and he is you know, under immense pressure trying to figure out what he does with our kids, right, and the young people in our community that are still in that P-12 sector. And here we are, in the first week of August, and I would ask you the question, Jim, I know I missed the mark on this. The second week of March, did we really think that we would be having this conversation around managing COVID-19? I thought that we would eradicate this nasty virus by the end of April, early May, and then things would resume as normal. And that's certainly not been the case. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, we are operating remotely still. Uh, but when we went on remote in March, we thought, well, maybe end of April, beginning of May. <laughs> and we were looking at this as a just a normal flu or a more uh, virulent uh, flu. And we thought, well, with warm weather getting here, you know, it'll basically it'll go away. Yeah. And that's not what happened. We've, we're almost like we're getting a second wave, as you're seeing in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and my own state of California. Yeah, all the hot states, right? And, and yeah. <laughs> so, so that misnomer was certainly just that, a misnomer, because it has been extremely hot in Texas, and it has, it has not helped uh, eradicate COVID-19. In fact, it's been the adverse. So, <laughs> so l- let's talk about, you know, how the, this gets resolved. I see several issues, not only issues of financial strain, in colleges that was already in place because I think what COVID is doing is accelerating some trends that were in existence prior to the pandemic. But also a a secondary issue is a lot of Americans are two-income families. So mom goes to work, dad goes to work, and kids go to school. And the issue that presents when mom does not go back or kids do not go back to school, the issue is raised what do we do for childcare? Right, and and that's a that's a really critical point, and and as you know, and I know, Jim, it often falls onto those middle and low income families, uh, the ones that the families that need CDC, you know, child development centers, daycares, etc. They need that assistance more than more than the more affluent families, um, and and the, you know across the country, and so. This wealth gap, if you will, uh, generational learning gap, as I call it, it, it continues this, this, this deeper divide. And, and that's what I'm most concerned about. What happens if we have an outbreak and those students have to go online for another year? So now you have three, essentially three consecutive semesters with these high school juniors and seniors 
and, and a lot of learnings lost. I can tell you that from a dad, um, my, you know, with, with my two sons, it's just not the same. Uh, when you're used to that face-to-face instruction. And then put that in perspective, here at Tarleton State, we were forced to close our child development, development center for the upcoming year. We were in a space that we could not create physical distancing. Uh, we could not ensure that what we call our little Texans program or our smallest Texans, uh, we could not promise parents that those three, four, and five-year-olds that we could safely put them in positions where um, they would be less susceptible to, you know, contracting the, the, the virus. And so we were forced to close our own center and that affected families. It affected my own family because my oldest daughter was also part of that program, albeit part-time, but still so many families are going to be affected by exactly what you just alluded to. And that's a, that's a real concern because now, mom or dad will have to make a life-altering decision based around finances. What about also the issue that many universities are facing is just that the whole demographic situation is changing, not only here, but in Europe and Asia, there's going to be fewer young people coming up in the future. So, you know, basically you're going to have fewer customers. Absolutely. And that shift is, has already started to occur uh, for example, I came from um, the great state of Tennessee to the great state of Texas and parts of East Tennessee and the Appalachian region in which I hail from in East Kentucky, East Tennessee, Southwest Virginia, et cetera. Those areas have been really hit hard uh, by the population decrease and loss. And so it is, it is something that that's concerning here in Texas. We're blessed. We're one of, I think, Jim, don't hold me to this. I saw a report four or five states over the next 10 to 12 years that will actually see an increase in high school graduates. But that increase looks very different, right? I mean, um, that will be uh, predominantly um, predicated upon growth in the Hispanic Latino population, which is a good thing, and, and persons of color. And so the demographics in each of these states look different for those that are growing or those that are not. And so this, this shift that's occurring in, in education um, has been coming for some time. And I think you're exactly right. COVID-19 has just sped up the amount of attention and resources that institutions, both at the P-12 and the higher education, will have to uh, dedicate to addressing these needs. What about also, uh, you know, as we look coming out of the financial crisis, a lot of uh, state budgets were strained. So there's also less money coming from the state itself to support these schools. Let's address that because one of the issues we're seeing as a result of COVID, I mean, my own state is a good example. You shut down the state. That means a number of things. Your unemployment goes up and your tax revenues fall as your expenses go up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, to compound that issue here in Texas, um, we've had a, a sharp decline in oil price, right? And so we have fewer oil companies uh, extracting oil and or natural gas. And so it is even, it's like the, the three-headed monster opposed to the two here in Texas. So it, it's really been a, 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 a catastrophic um, set of events all unfolding at the same time. And, and we were just, uh, ordered by Governor Abbott to um, claw, to send back 5% from our current budget and reduce the 5% that we were projected to receive 
and FY21. So it was a 10% uh, uh, reduction in totality for the biennium. And for us, that's substantial. I mean, 10% uh, for a state institution that we roughly depend on about uh, 28 to 30% of state revenues. And so what happens, as you know, Jim, that burden is passed on to, to families and, and, dis, and institutions are faced with making really difficult decisions. We just went through a reorganization and restructuring where we had uh, to eliminate 35 positions um, across the institution. What about the the issue, and I, and I guess maybe if we talk about the cost of college, are we going to be in a situation where you have a bifurcation uh, in the, the education system where you have well-funded universities with large endowments? I'm thinking Harvard, MIT, University of Chicago, Stanford, uh, Brown, you know, the Ivy League schools, and then, you know, you have the, uh, I, I would say, maybe the B category type schools. Yeah, and, and that's what's so concerning in all of this. I've had the good fortune of leading in both the private and the public sector of, of higher ed, being a president of a private institution, being a president of a public institution. Um, and it's tough, right? I mean, it, it, I think that you're going to see over the next 10 years, I truly believe uh, that we will see anywhere from 15 to 20% of our institutions across the country either close their doors or merge. And, and I'm leaning more toward the merger because I think so many uh, communities and, and counties and, and regions and states depend on that economic um, development that a, a college or a university creates. And so thus, I think you're going to see a merger. You're going to see uh, large R1s or regional, large regional comprehensives like Tarleton State, for example, that may have to take on some of these struggling institutions, but what happens there, Jim, as, as you know, all too well, this, the, the diminishing of services ultimately occurs. And so you see fewer academic programs and which leads to fewer uh, opportunities for, for people. What about, uh, let's say a, a transition for colleges to online. I mean, during COVID I have to have continuing education as you and I were discussing before we went on the air and I just decided to get my second master's degree online. Uh, it's less expensive. It's convenient. I can do it at my own pace, my own hours. What about that? Where instead of, uh, let me just give you an example. You know, the traditional paradigm, junior graduates from high school, he goes off to college. What about the paradigm, junior graduates from high school, he gets a job, he's working, and going to school online and doesn't incur $100,000 of debt at the end of four years. Absolutely. And I, and I think we were already seeing that. Um, I, I, again, at going back to the beginning of, of your conversation, your and I conversation, that's exactly what's happened over the last, call it three to five years. That's why you've seen a tremendous growth with some of the online institutions and not necessarily the proprietary online institutions across the country. And I think this flexibility in, in garnering a degree, um, it, it, we as universities are going to have to be more flexible. Thankfully at Tarleton, you know, many years ago, we made a significant investment into our online infrastructure. And so we were already trending toward face-to-face -face hybrid online. I will tell you, 
that we are predominantly a face-to-face institution with a heavy blend of online, which we define as hybrid, right? So a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class on the books really looks like Monday, Wednesday, they're face-to-face with that instructor. On that Friday, it's some type of online, whether it be case study, whether it be a synchronous delivery from the faculty member or asynchronous um, lecture delivered. And that's where we're seeing a lot of our growth. We're projected right now to, if we, if we open school today, we would be up 4.85%. And so we're experiencing growth very differently. And some institutions are really struggling uh, with enrollment and we're not, we're, we're just the adverse of that. And so we're, we're seeing tremendous growth, but I think part of it is because we have this flexible learning style. Parts of the country, as you know, want and desire different learning and, and the learning styles are different for us here in, in central somewhat rural Texas, our kids still like that face to face, but, but they don't want it all face to face. If that makes sense. They, they like this blend. And, and what about this, you know, as we're talking about this blend that you're going through, I mean, for real, reality for many parents now, if you're talking about whether you're looking at private schooling or, uh, let's say, a public university, you know, you take a parent or somebody like yourself with four kids. I mean, that could cost, you know, multiple, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. So this idea, junior works after high school and goes to school online, I I just think we're going to see more and more of that as the realities and the cost of uh, college education begin to weigh in for most parents. Absolutely. I I do agree. And and I think for for a lot of students, that's the value proposition that that they have to really think through. And I think the only only flip to that conversation, uh, so to speak, is the fact that we're now approaching, you know, what, 30 million unemployed, truly unemployed Americans. Um, And so the job market for seasonal and part-time jobs over the next year to two years certainly will be less of an opportunity for those people. And so that's going to be the crux. But long-term, over the next four, five, six years post this this COVID-19 pandemic that we're currently seeing – once we're through this and the, and the economy starts to pick up steam again, and it will, um, you know, then you're right. Those, those students are going to be faced with this value proposition. And I think it's the institutions that align their curriculum to marketplace demand and need are the institutions that will really thrive. Yeah, because, uh, you know, for so long, many students went and got a liberal arts education and found out when they got out of school, there wasn't much work for them. So I just wonder if we see with this transition or mix between brick and mortar and online, if a lot more of these institutions and colleges reinvent themselves and start offering a curriculum. I know that a lot of companies would like to partner with junior colleges to come up with a a special program that's more technical oriented, whether it's manufacturing or some other industry where you need workers to work in this new high-tech factories that we're building today, where instead of Larry Moe and Curly on the assembly line, you've got a robot and some guy in a white coat that's operating it. Absolutely. And, and, and that's obviously where the U.S. economy and really the global economy has been moving for 
for a vast number of years. There's a fascinating book out. It's been out for some time. Um, it's called The Coming Jobs War. And, um, and what it talked about was exactly what you and I just discussed. It's those jobs that were shifted offshore. And now those jobs have been trickling back over the last, call it five to eight years to the U.S., requires a very different skill set and, and one that's more technical versus, you know, a, a punching a widget, you know, every single day. And, and, and so you're right. Institutions are going to have to align themselves, again, back to that marketplace demand and need. And, and we're blessed here at Tarleton. That, that's really our focus. And I think regional comprehensive institutions, that they've had that niche for a long time. And, and they've always been reactive and, and they adapt their curriculum to the regional needs. I, I do think some of the, the institutions, the private institutions that aren't as well endowed or funded will really struggle over the next few years trying to carve out a new normal for them. You know, it's amazing how something like this pandemic is accelerating trends that were in place prior to the pandemic and creating new trends as a result. I mean, who would have thought, but thank goodness we have the technology. I would have never thought that, uh, you know, even in my own business, that our entire office could operate offline and do it efficiently. No, absolutely. And I, I think you're going to see more and more workplace. I mean, think about all of some of the Fortune 100 companies uh, that have already shifted to this new model of you can work not only from home, but now the, the new definition is work from anywhere, right? I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be at home. And we had to flip our way of conducting business here as well. For example, we had uh, online virtual orientations for the first time ever, um, meaning in, in mass numbers. We've had students that chose to attend Tarleton on an athletic scholarship that never had an opportunity to visit our campus because the NCAA restricted um, on, you know, on-site recruiting visits. And, and it's just fascinating how this, this world of what you and I are conducting, we're on a Zoom session. And um, in a normal setting, it, it may have looked different. So it, it's, it's just, it's unique. Um, but I do think COVID-19 has forever changed the way we conduct business, not just in higher ed, but the U.S. economy. Yeah, I, I, you can see it, uh, whether it's people like myself getting an online degree right. uh, or, or people getting out of, you know, your kids getting out of high school, dealing with the reality of college costs where it's much more convenient to, to actually get a job and uh, get education online. Uh, doctor, if you were to look out five years from now as a uh, last question, what do you see this landscape looking like from your view? So a couple things to, to answer that, and that's a great question. If you think back four or five, maybe six years ago, higher education went through, a, not that we're out of the woods by no means, but, but higher education in particular went through a really turbulent time in terms of of MOOCs, which were these massive online open courses that very large uh, institutions were providing. And then the whole shift behind, we were going to get away from degrees and, and large companies like Google and other companies were only going to hire uh, individuals that had a portfolio of, of, of learned credits. It, it didn't have to necessarily be a degree. Well, that, that ended up not being the case, right? I mean, MOOCs 
slowly wilted away and and the need for an online degree, I'm sorry, for a degree via online or face-to-face uh, kind of won out, if you, if you will. I still think five years from now that's going to be the case. However, I think that how students obtain that degree will look very different. I think the hybrid, what you're doing, your, your, your second master's online as a, as a working adult, um, you know, honing a skill, adding another skill to your skill set, those are, those are, and credentials. I think you're going to see more and more um, uh, credentials being offered by institutions. And, and, and so those earned credentials, earned credits are going to look different and how students garner those will look different. But I still think there's going to be a huge need and demand for degrees of higher education, whether that be two-year uh, certifications, all, alternative certifications, and those traditional four uh, year degrees plus master's degrees, but I really believe that they're going to be workplace centric. I think you're going to see fewer general studies degrees, etc. I think we're in a time where accountability and and having um, a return on investment will become paramount. Right. Well, listen, Doctor, as we close, if our listeners would like to learn more about your college and the education opportunities there, why don't you tell them how they could do so? Yeah, thanks for that opportunity. Uh, you can obviously visit us on the World Wide Web. That's at uh, tarleton.edu or just Google Tarleton State University. We're, we're finding, as, as you know, Jim, that's where most most folks find your website now. We And we'd love to, when things open up, if you have an interest in attending a, a regional comprehensive institution in Texas, we're, we're growing. We're one of the fastest growing institutions in the country. And we have an aspiration to be the leading uh, comprehensive regional university in the nation. We're one of the top in Texas now. We want to expand beyond that and, and really grow our footprint. We just converted to NCAA Division I athletics, which is, could not have been a worse time uh, <laughs> to make that decision one year ago uh, in, in, in light of not knowing COVID-19 was coming our way. So we have a lot of great things, a lot of exciting things. And, I appreciate the opportunity to to join you and share some insights today. All right, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. All the best. Thank you. Best wishes. The Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in financial sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour. Please be advised that you invest at your own risk.